for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. First, let me apologize why it's, and explain to you why it's so dark, kind of in the middle of the sanctuary. See, we installed these fans. Anybody grateful for some fans? Yeah. Man, they're feeling kind of nice. And because of that, we, we had to rework all the electric, and so none of those lights are connected. So I figured, let me get the fans up first, and then Monday we'll deal with the lights. Amen? Is that all right? All right. So by next week, we'll have, we have different lighting fixtures we're changing kind of updating our look, so you'll see next week it'll look a little different. Amen. Praise God for that and all those that endured my 400 emails with pictures of lights. Thank you, team. I love you. I could get a little crazy when it comes to that. I had Pastor Sal with me in the lighting district of Manhattan, and we went into every single store in the lighting district. That was fun. But anyway, and we didn't find one light. We ended up at Home Depot. That's what we get for trying to be, you know. Yeah, just go to Home Depot and get a light. They're nice. Amen? Father, we just thank you for today, Lord God. I thank you for those that are here, Lord God. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the hearts that are gathered here, Lord God. I thank you even for those children that are crying. I pray that you would just bring them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, all right. Anybody excited about the word of God? Yeah. So otherwise, you're in the wrong place. Amen? All right, I'd like to start with a quote. Here's our quote. It's a quote from last week's message. And the quote is simply this. Too many of us have stayed away from church for too long because we felt like we have to get cleaned up before we brought ourselves to it. But all the while, God does not demand reform he provides rebirth. Oh, man. Thank God for that. Come on. Amen. Amen. Aren't you, aren't you happy that we serve a God that, that gives us rebirth? Not, not, not that's always beating us up about reform. It's not change this, change this, change this, change this. It's just come, 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 come. Because when we come, the rest of that stuff falls off. Right? When we focus on that stuff, and then we're just religious, and then we're just nasty people that nobody wants to be around, amen? But when we focus on just God, just God saying, come, come. And, and knowing that once we step into that, that, that the rest of that just not going to matter. I'm just not going to need a Philly after that. I'm just not going to need the Hennessy after that. I'm just, once I step into the presence, once I, once I get high like the, like a high, like the most high, then, then, then the rest of that is just, it doesn't, doesn't matter anymore, Amen? Can anybody have that testimony? Does anybody have that testimony? That, you, that once, once you try this, I don't need this anymore. Amen? This comes with issues and baggage and luggage and all kinds of consequences. But the high that God gives you, there's, there's nothing but good consequence. There's nothing but good. There's nothing but good to follow. Amen? We go from glory to glory to... All right, that's not the message. Let's go. Well, if you're just joining us, we're on a journey through the book of John. And, and we've been doing, uh, we started at the John chapter 1 and we're going through the entire book of John and it's a series titled Walk It Out. And, and the goal of this series is that we would understand the Word of God 
And through, through this, the, 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 this book of John that we would start to walk it out in our lives, that it would get past our ears and we'd begin to see what we were created for and we'd be able to walk it out outside of this building. How many people are here for the first time today? Amen. Let's welcome them. Let's get those cards in their hands. See, people are here for the first time today and last week and the week before. Why? Because people in here are walking it out. Do, do you understand the point of the series? It's not to get bigger. We know it's not about getting bigger. It's about walking it out so that more people would know. Amen? So that we would walk it out and be the light and be what God created us to be. Because listen, we, it, it's not about walking it out in this building. Some of you got that down packed. Right? That's the easy part. You could even fake it in here, right? Raise your hands when other people raise their hands. Bow your heads when other people bow their heads. Cry, pretend to cry when other people are crying. It's easy to, to fake it in here, amen? But, but it, it's about being outside of this building. I have to tell you, those emotions, I, 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 I used to get caught up, like I see somebody crying or I see somebody raising their hand, I used to get all crazy. But those emotions don't impress me much anymore. See, I've seen too much acting in my life. I've seen too much of the phony stuff. I, I, I'm looking for something real, something authentic. Amen? Something that's really real. I'm tired. I hate the phony stuff. I hate aguajeros. Everybody know what an aguajero is? That's a pretender. You're just faking it all the time. When you're with this group of people, you're that kind of people. When you're with this group of people, you're that kind of people. It just, it, it just matters who you're with, how you'll be. That's fake. Amen? That's fair. I'm tired of that. Amen? That has to stop in the body of Christ. Amen? I would rather, listen, I'd rather you tell me the truth. If you didn't like me, I'd rather you approach me and tell me what your problem is with me. And hopefully we'd learn from it. We'd be able to grow from it. But, but this kind of, we can't have that kind of nonsense in the body of Christ. Amen? Now, our church is just hitting four years old, and we haven't had a whole lot of it. But I, 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 I want to keep dealing with it because I don't want to ever see it in this place. I don't want that nonsense in this place. Amen? This is the sanctuary, and it's the sanctuary for a reason. We need to live up to that name, sanctuary. Right? There's, there's, there's so many names of different churches, and, and I, I pray, like, you know, we were just talking about a church called, called uh, Shama. And Shama means the Lord is here. So imagine having a church called Shama, the Lord is here, and the Lord's not there. It's not cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that He's not in that church. Don't get me, you know. But I'm saying, imagine not living up to the name that you gave the building. That, that we, we, we're the sanctuary. We need to be, this needs to be a safe place where the holiness of God is, where the presence of God is felt. Amen? See, it, that, that nonsense with having issues with other people, the bottom line is this. If, if you don't like somebody and somebody don't like you, the bottom line is this. Either you have an issue or that person has an issue. Am I right? Somebody's got issues. But church, it's time we dealt with our issues. Can, is it alright to say that? Because you see, we can't be in one accord if we still got issues. And the Word of God says that when His people are in one accord, God moves. Prayers are answered. Miracles are released. Amen? But, but we have to be in one accord. See, the Word says that signs and wonders follow those that believe, not those that bicker. <laughs> Amen? 
You can't expect your prayers to be heard when you got issues with people here not saying hi to me. Or, or that person thinks she's better than me. I don't know why. And, and we get the neck rolling and the whole night. I don't know why she thinks she's better than me. I say hello, but she don't say hello to me. I don't know. I got, and we, we, amen, we got to get past that. Amen? Amen, we can't have, man. Why, why do you think the, the, the bottom line is if that person has less issues than you, she probably is better than you. So just accept it. Why does our culture have such a fascination with reality TV? Why? Because we want the real stuff, amen? We're tired of seeing the fake shows, the written shows, the, the scripts. We want to see real drama, amen? How many of you hooked on some of those shows? You're lying. You're, you're all watching Housewives of New York. You're all watching uh, real, t- real whatever. You're all watching it. Don't even play yourselves. It, it draws you in because, it, and even though some of those things are fake, I heard, but still, it's more real than a, than a script at least, right? And so that realness draws us in. We want that realness. It's time we brought that into the body of Christ. Amen? Real living. It's time that that carried over into, the, into our church life, into our spiritual life. Listen, let me just tell you this, church. Let me say this and, and make sure everybody's listening. Stop faking it. You're accepted here. Would you receive that? You're accepted here. You don't have to be like the other one. You don't have to be like the person that brought you. You don't have to be like the person that invited you. You don't have to be like anybody that's... You don't have to be like anybody else. You are accepted here. Amen? Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel good? I mean, even those back in sinner's row back there, right? You're accepted here. You're accepted here. Because some of the ones in the front are just faking it anyway. So, so, so there's no difference. There's no difference. You're accepted here. Praise God. This, I mean, let's be real. This is the worst place to fake it anyway. How can we fake it in the house of the Lord? We can't fake it here. One of God's names is El Roy, the God who sees. So he sees past all the funk and the fake. He sees past it. So, so just, just relax and be accepted this morning. Amen? Amen? All right. So last week we were finishing up chapter 2 and 3. And we talked about how the first two things, I love this, that Jesus did. The first two things that he did in his public ministry, he converted water to wine and then he cleansed the temple. And it's such a beautiful, John was giving us a beautiful picture of how, you know, when we come to Jesus, he, had, he changes us from something common into something of value. Just by submitting, just by believing, nothing of our own self, amen? And then we saw the second thing that he did was an act of cleansing. And it shows that God loves us so much that he accepts us with all of our funk. He accepts us just the way we are. The word says he died for the ungodly and all of us qualify. But the word says that he loves us too much to leave us that way. And that's why we get words like Jesse was sharing and, 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 and Mark. And God loves us too much to leave us that way. So after he receives us, then he turns the common into something of value. Then it says he cleanses us. Amen. And, so, and then after that, chapter 3, John teaches us through the questioning of Nicodemus how it is that we can have this, this conversion. How it is that we can be saved. And he explains that it's only through being born again. And that, that we can enter in and, and being born again was simply about believing in the sacrifice that was shed for each and every one of us. 
for the forgiveness of our sins. It's not of our own efforts which can save you, but God's reaching out in the person of His Son who died in your place, who took your punishment, who offers your righteousness in place of your wretchedness. Amen? So now today, chapter 4. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It goes against everything you could ever learn in religion class. It shows us just the real, authentic heart of the Father. And now, I, I preached an entire message on this passage already exactly last year at this time. And so I'm going to have some people help me today. Because how many know there's always something more? Amen? You can read the same story again. You can preach on the same story again and again and again. There will always be something more that we can take away from the Word because it's alive and it's active and it pursues us. So let me just tell you the story. Let me set this up. Jesus is in John chapter 4. Jesus is leaving Judea. And he's going back to Galilee. And if you, if you studied it, the shortest distance between there from where they were was to go through Samaria. But most religious Jews will not go through Samaria. They'll go all the way around. Why? Because they got issues with the Samaritans. They hate the Samaritans. The Samaritans hate the Jews. The Jews hate the Samaritans. They got issues with each other. But, but listen, Jesus goes through Samaria to deal with those issues. Isn't that beautiful? See, because Jesus is showing us, man, it's easy for us to love the lovable people. It's easy for us to love those people that are nice to us and those people that always say hi and always greet you and always say, you know, bless the Lord, hermana, amen, amen, amen. Gloria, Gloria, su nombre. And, you know, it's easy to love those people, but it, it's hard to love the people that you say, hey, good morning, and they go. It, it, but Jesus said, listen, listen, I'm going to show you that, that I love even the unlovable. And so he goes through Samaria to deal with those issues because he has a heart for those people. And it's a principle that he's teaching us here that, that he's wanting us to deal with our issues. So Jesus stops at this well, and there this woman comes to get water, and it's at the worst time of the day. It's noon. The sun is at its highest point. Nobody comes to get water at the well at this time. So she's probably an outcast. Everybody comes before the sun is at the highest point. They come together. They come in groups, and, and it's like a hangout. You know, they come, and they greet each other, and they work together. They gather water from the well. They have helpers, and they go back. This woman comes by herself at the highest point of the sun, when it's the hottest, because probably she knows nobody will be there. So she's an outcast. She doesn't come around when everybody else is around because she feels that she won't be accepted by the other ladies. Probably she's had all kinds of confrontations. She's probably had, the word doesn't tell us, but she's probably had all kinds of issues with all these other ladies who have issues with her because of the way she's living her life. So she feels like she won't be accepted, but Jesus is different. And see, we're called to be different. So he meets her there in her pain, in her struggle. He meets her right there at the well in all of her sin. And the text says he asks her for a drink. Verse 7 starts like this. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? Verse 8, the Samaritan woman taking a back acts, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh and living water. Verse 11, the woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with and this well is deep, so where are you going to get this living water? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water 
will get thirsty again and again. But anyone who drinks the water that I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of living water. The woman says, sir, then give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty again and I won't ever have to come back to this well again. See, this woman doesn't want to come back to this well ever again. Why? She hates having to come and draw water at the hardest part of the day because no one will talk to her. She'd rather stay home and live in her misery than to come out and feel like she's not accepted anywhere she goes. She's a product of her choices. She has to live with being fully known and never accepted. Verse 16 says, Jesus got to deal with some issues right now. Verse 16, watch this. Jesus said, go, call your husband and then come back. She replies, I have no husband, she said. Jesus said, that's nicely put. You have no husband. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. How many say drama? Baby mama drama right there. Jesus said, that's nicely put, you have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. Jesus is telling her, I know all about you. You can't fake it around me. You can't fake it with me. He's saying, I mean, there's no way for him to know that. It had to be through revelation. He had to be God to know that. Amen? And he's saying, listen, you can't fake it around me. And then what does she do? She gets into, if you read the rest of the story, she gets into these religious questions and hang-ups. And Jesus takes the time to explain things to her. And she finally ends it with this. Listen, all I know is when the Messiah comes, then we're going to all know the whole story. And Jesus does something incredible here. He reveals himself to this woman. Now, if you remember all through the rest of the, the scriptures, he would, he, would, he would go through extreme measures to not reveal himself. But here to this woman, this, this woman who's had five husbands and is now living in adultery with, with a man that's not her husband. This woman who's an outcast, who's rejected, who's in, living in sin and in the funk of it. He reveals himself. He tells her, I am he. The acceptance of Jesus, the word shows us, changed this woman. Changed her. Verse 28 says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman, she left the water jar. That means she, she left what she came for. She leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to all the people, Come, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out from the town and they made their way toward him. I want you to watch this video of a modern day depiction of the woman at the well. I am a woman of no distinction, of little importance. I am a woman of no reputation save that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast judgmental glances, though you don't really take the time to look at me or even get to know me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known, and otherwise what's the point in doing either one of them in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to look at my face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears, but to see all that I am and could be, all my hopes, loves and fear that's too much to hope for to wish for or pray for so I don't not anymore now I keep to myself and by that I mean the pain, pain that keeps me in my own private jail the pain that's brought me here at midday to this well 
To ask for a drink is no big request, but to ask it of me, a woman unclean, ashamed, used and abused, an outcast, a failure, a disappointment, a sinner, no drink passing from these hands to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning, as I'm sure you condemn me now, but you don't. You're a man of no distinction, though of the utmost importance, a man with little reputation, at least so far. You whisper and tell me to my face what all those glances have been about, and you take the time to really look at me. But don't need to get to know me, for to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And you know me. You actually know me. All of me and everything about me. Every thought inside and hair on top of my head. Every hurt stored up. Every hope. Every dread. My past and my future. All I am and could be. You tell me everything. You tell me about me. And that which is spoken by another would bring hate and condemnation. Coming from you brings love, grace, mercy, hope, and salvation. I've heard of one to come who would save a wretch like me. And here in my presence you say I am he. To be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get to. Let me run back to town. This is way too much for just me. There are others, brothers, sisters, lovers, haters, the good and the bad, sinners and saints, who should hear what you've told me, who should see what you've shown me, who should taste what you gave me, who should feel how you forgave me. For to be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. And they all need this too. We all do need it for our own. Amen. So I'm going to go back to chapter to verse 2 in chapter 4 of the book of John. It says, Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed. This is from the Message Bible. Although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing, they had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. Jesus was in Judah. That's where John the Baptist was baptizing. And the religious people started to make a, a, a rivalry. Say, well, look, he's baptizing more people than you. And Jesus says, I'm getting out of here. I'm not part of any rivalry. And see, this church, we're not in a rivalry. We bless every, every Bible-believing church in this neighborhood. We pray that those churches down the block, they might be half a block down. They are not our competition. We pray that they grow. We bless them. We bless every ministry. We bless every church in this region, in this area, because we're all supposed to be working together. There is no competition. But how many of you know the religious people will try to start one and say, oh, well, that church down there is getting too big. So we, that's dangerous. We got to do something. Oh, they're too close. Praise God. I hope that God raises up a church. Every two houses has a church with hundreds of people. See, that's Jesus. He said, I don't want any part of this. I, I'm getting out of here. So as he was leaving, in order to get to Galilee, his destination, he had to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria was different than Israel because Samaria was a mixture. See, they believed everything that the Jews believed. 
They believe that there's only one God, or at least they said they did. They, they brought sacrifices, which they did back in those days. They read their Bible. They, had the, they believed in Moses and Abraham, all that stuff. The stuff that we believe, the Samaritans believed it too, except they added everything else. Well, yes, we have our religion, but we also believe we worship that idol over there. They change things around. Well, you say worship here. Well, we'll do it our way. We're not going to conform to your way of doing things. We have our own way. But how many of you know the Bible says there's one way? And, and his name is Jesus. There's one door. In Matthew 7, 13 to 14, it says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. There's a wide road that leads to hell. There's, there's many gods you can worship. There, there's people on TV, they say they're Christians. They come on TV and they say, well, we're Christians. But there's many roads that lead to heaven. All religions, all roads lead to God. That's not what Jesus said. He's a one way. It's all Jesus or nothing. You might say, well, you're very narrow-minded because I want to make it. I focus my, my, my mind on the narrow way. There's only one God. His name is Jesus. Yes, we respect others' religions. We respect your right to, to your religion. But we teach truth in this church that there's one way to heaven. There's one way to the Father. And that's Jesus. See, they did a study in the United States, and they found out that 82% of all Americans say that they're Christians. You know, they call them up, and, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Out of those 82%, 34% identify themselves as serious Christians. You know, I go to church, I read the Bible. You know, oh, I'm serious about God. But out of that, only 7%. Um, who say, say that their faith is very important in their lives, believe they have a responsibility to witness about Jesus, acknowledge the existence of, of Satan and spiritual things, contend that eternal salvation is possible only through God's grace and not good deeds, believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth, and describe God as the all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect deity who created the universe and still rules it today? Only 8%. See, everyone says they're Christian. 34% say, well, oh, I love God, I go to church. But there's only a handful who say, I, I believe that this word is true. Only a handful who say, I'm all the way with Jesus. I believe that he died and rose again. We can't, make, we, we can't be like these Samaritans. There's no mixture in God. He's a pure stream. 
Last week I was doing an outreach in Connecticut, and I met a lot of Christians. But you know what they were telling me? Well, I'm a Christian. I go to church, but I also go to psychics. I also go to tarot card readers. I also I also look at my astrology report. That's that's the religion of the Samaritans. You don't need to hear from anyone else but God. All we need to hear from is the Holy Spirit. And just as a commercial, right after church, we're going to have the prophetic teams in the, in the rooms back there, and we invite you to come and hear a word from God. You don't need any astrologers or psychics or tarot card readers because you can hear the voice of God. He wants to speak to you directly. I'm going to go back to verse 7. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? Verse 9, the Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. And then the woman said, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us. See, this is the minds of people. Jesus tried to talk to people about things of the Spirit, and their minds always went back to the natural. He wasn't interested in the physical water. He didn't care about the well. But the Bible says that water is a picture of the Spirit of God. And Jesus said that if you're born again, which Pastor George spoke about last week, if you got Jesus in your heart, then you've got that well of the Holy Spirit living in you. And Jesus told that woman, you will never thirst again. Because you've got a deposit in God, of God in you. And what did the woman do? She started to talk about her ancestors. He's trying to talk to her about her life, about spiritual things. And she went back to talk about, oh, but this well was our ancestor Jacob, and he gave it to Joseph. She went back to the dead religious traditions that mean nothing. How many of you know that you can be religious and not right with God? You can know your, you can know your Bible. You could say, well, we don't do it that way. In our church, we just do it this way. And you could follow all the rules of man and the traditions of man and never receive the true flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. The, Jesus was trying to talk to her about her life, about her heart. And she wanted to give him back doctrines and traditions. Oh, but they did it this way. Oh, we can't do it that way. 
And Jesus said, it's about an authentic living relationship. And not only do you have a relationship with him, but he told the woman, there's a, there's a well in you. If you receive him, where you'll never thirst again. But let me tell you something. God created you with a hole in your heart. With an empty place in your spirit that can only be filled by him. How many of you have spent years of your life trying to fill that empty hole with everything else? With relationships, with money, with your career, with your job, whatever it is. With music, sports, hobbies, I don't care what it is. There's a thirst in you. And until you, until you find Jesus, until you're satisfied with him, until you live in that well and, and let it fill your life and your heart, you're always going to thirst. Nothing's ever going to be enough. Pastor George likes to read quotes. So I brought my quote today. He said he gets his from the spiritual places. I, I, I got mine from the MTV side. How, how about that? Can we mention that? He, Uh-oh, he's getting the arches. To, to, they're gathering back there. They, they want to see what I'm going to sing next. But there's a rock group called Nine Inch Nails. You ever heard? I, I don't know who they are from Adam, but... But anyway, there's a rock group called Nine Inch Nails, and the leader of that group is named Trent Reznor. Let me tell you a little about the band. The band produced several highly influential records in the 90s that achieved widespread popularity. Many Nine Inch Nails songs became radio hits. Two of their recordings won Grammy Awards, and the band has sold over 20 million albums worldwide, with 11 million sales certified in the U.S. alone. In 1997, Reznor appeared in Time Magazine's list of the year's most influential people, and Spin Magazine described him as the most vital artist in music. In 2004, Rolling Stone placed Nine Inch Nails at 94 on its list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. Wouldn't you think he's one of the happiest men on earth? He's got all the fame, all the fortune. He has a successful career, not only now, but he made history. He, was, he went down as one of the greatest in history. His name is known throughout the earth. He's successful in his records. He, he had a beautiful mansion. He had all the women that he wanted. But let me tell you about the interview. Let me tell you what he said on an interview. I'm aware that I'm fortunate to live in this house and to do what I've always wanted to do and be one of the few who got a record deal. But by the same token, I'm not more happy or content with my life than I was 10 years ago. I got everything I wanted in life, except I really don't have a life now. I don't have any real friends 
or relationships that mean anything to me. This man who had everything. He said, I got, I'm full of emptiness. I don't have real relationships. All that money didn't fill the hole in my heart. All those women, all the fame, all the music, all the traveling, and my heart is still empty. Because there's nothing can fill that place in your heart. That's what Jesus was trying to tell the woman. You can go, she was going after all these men and doing all this stuff, trying to fill her loneliness. You know how many people I've seen walk away from church and give up everything for a man or a woman? And do you know that 10 years later, I never met one person that says, I'm glad I did it? Oh, I got such peace since I left the Lord. There's always regret. Always, always, always. Because nothing can fill the hole. There's no man or woman good enough. Don't let anyone lie to you. You need to guide your heart. There's no job, there's no money that's going to fill the place because Jesus is talking about a well. See, this woman who had nothing, tried everything to fill her life, couldn't do it. And Jesus said, if you'll take that water that I want to give you, you'll never thirst again. There's a place of joy and satisfaction in your life. King David said, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He said, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you and a dry and weary land where there is no water. And Jesus said in the New Testament, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within. How thirsty are you? Are you so full of the things of this world that there's no place in you that wants to go after God like David that says, I'm dry and thirsty. I want more of you, God. I don't know about anyone else, but I've tried everything in the world. I spent my life going from one thing to the next thing, got bored, went to the next thing, the next person, the next event, the next hobby, the next job, whatever it is, thinking that somehow this empty place in my heart would get filled. Until I met Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today, I'm satisfied. I come every day, every day. I come to the living waters and I say, God, fill me. I'm thirsty. My soul thirsts for more of you. And I start to feel the overflowing. So that I want to pour it out on everyone else. The Bible says, out of your belly will come streams of living water. There's life in you. And because of that life, because of that river, it's, it starts to flow out of your belly. And what happens? It spills out. What does a river do? It's not just for you. It's so that your life can begin to touch other people, begin to change your society, change your job, change the atmosphere.
in verse 16, Jesus told the lady, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Jesus is speaking now prophetically. He's hearing from God. Again, that's what we're going to be doing afterwards. We, we want to do like everything Jesus did. And if he heard from God and spoke a message to set people free, we want to do the same thing. And that's also what the prophetic conference is about next week. It, it's about not only us hearing from God, but you hearing directly from God. So what did the woman respond? I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews come claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Again, she went back to the religion. Jesus said, well, you've had five husbands. You're not who you say you are. You're not who you believe you are. And she started again with the Christian mumbo-jumbo all about this mountain. You know, I'm sick and tired of people who know the word. They'll quote everything. They know every argument. They know this philosophy, that philosophy, this doctrine and that. You, but when you try to confront them about their life, when you speak to them about matters of the heart, they always go back to preach it to you again. I don't care how much you know, it's about what you're living. You could be so filled with doctrine and knowledge. Maybe you know all Paul's missionary journeys. And you can memorize all the books of the Bible and what order they're in. You know the major prophets, the minor prophets. You know every doctrine of the Bible. Jesus doesn't care because he, was, he, didn't, he wasn't impressed by this woman's knowledge. He was cutting through to the heart. It's about living the Word. It's about taking this Bible... And yes, it's wonderful to know it. It's great to have knowledge. You should study it. But Jesus said the most important thing that it's in here, that it's in your heart, that you're living it out. He's not impressed that you know how to argue and, and debate. He's impressed when, you, when your life is a reflection of, of the word. And Jesus told this woman, the time is coming when we're not going to worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. But those who worship will worship in spirit and in truth. He cut through all that doctrine, all that tradition, and says that doesn't matter if you say you're supposed to worship here or there. Because it's not about that anymore. It's about a heart filled with God. And worship is all about the Holy Spirit beginning to flow through you in adoration and love as you stand before a living God. It's, it's not only about music. It's not, it's not mostly about what you say. That's not what worship is. Worship is mostly about a heart towards God. It's overflowing towards God. It, it doesn't matter if you do it here, if you do it in church. 
That's what Jesus told her. It doesn't matter. It's three in the morning and you're laying on the floor in your bedroom crying out. It doesn't matter. The only thing that's important is that you got that well in you. That you've got the Spirit of God. It's welling up in you. After all that, the woman left. She left everything she had. She left her water bucket because she, she was so touched by Jesus. Something happened in her. Jesus was able to cut through all the doctrine and all the arguments. And even in that short time, people must have seen something different in her because she went back into a town and said, come and see the man who told me everything that I ever did. See, that's the power of the prophetic. She wasn't moved by, by Jesus' theology that he gave her. She was, she was moved when Jesus cut to her heart and gave her the word of God. And as Pastor George said, he loved her and accepted her just where she is. And God used a nobody, not only a nobody, but somebody who nobody would want to talk to. How, how many of you, if, if some woman that you know who had five husbands came and said, you need to come to my church, how many of you would go? Why did they listen to this woman? Would you? If there was a prostitute and said, oh, I got a great church, you need to come. How many of you would sign up? But see, something had already happened because Jesus cut to her heart. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not about knowing a lot of facts. It's not mostly about coming to church. It's about a changed heart so that you can live again, so that you can be free. So that you can be everything God created you to be. And God took this woman who had been married five times and used her to reach the whole city. I came before from a denomination that said that if you were married before, you can't even be a minister. She was married five times and God chose her and used her to win her whole community. And she wouldn't even be accepted in most of the churches today. She would be kicked out. She would never be able to become a licensed minister because of her past history. How many of you are grateful that God overlooks your past history? He overlooks your present. He bypasses it all and he looks right into your heart. You see, where other people will look at you and point the finger and tell you everything bad you've ever done and what's wrong with you. Jesus looked into the eyes of this woman and she, he saw destiny. He saw a prophet. He saw a minister, an evangelist. He saw, he saw a revivalist. See, there's no limitation on you. After that, the disciples came back. And Jesus told the disciples, the harvest is ripe. What does that mean? There's many people out there who, who are ready to hear about Jesus. 
There's a work to do for you. God wants to use you to touch, to touch industries. He wants to use you to change corporations. He wants to use you to win, to win souls, to win the poor, the rich. He wants to use you to, like the, in the book of Acts, to turn this world upside down. But the problem is, like this woman at the well, and I'm going to ask Veronica to get ready. Like this woman at the well, we're stuck in shame and condemnation. We're all stuck in the same place with the same old thing. We never step into our destiny. Stop listening to these finger pointers. You know, it says in Isaiah 58 that there's two things that God hates. It's the accusing tongue and the pointing finger. And we hate it too. There's no one here accusing you. If anyone here points a finger at you, you come and tell me. Because we're not going to tolerate it in this church. If Jesus has nothing against you, I have nothing against you. Pastor George has nothing against you. What we're going to do is what Jesus did. We're going to cut to your heart. We're going to deal with the real issues of your life. Not to tear you down, not to condemn you. But there's a well in you and we want to get to it. We want to see you come into your destiny. How many of you are saying, I'm not sitting it out anymore? You see, this woman at the well, she spent her life sitting and waiting, never coming into her destiny. And it felt like her life was passing away until Jesus came and he removed all the sin. He, he removed all the religion, all the tradition, all the blockage and open up a well with her. And in one day, in one day, she stepped into her destiny and became a minister in one day. If God could do that for that woman who came from, from a forsaken people, who, ca who came from a people who, with a false religion, how much more will God do for you if you say, I'm not going to sit it out anymore. I'm going to dance. I I'm coming in. I'm stepping out into my destiny. You see, there's greatness in every one of you. There's beauty in every one of you. There's glory in every one of you. But you got to make the choice. See, God has deposited that well in your heart already. It's already there, but we just spend our lives just sitting and sitting, never taking that opportunity, never meeting the challenge. Now, how many of you are saying today, I'm, I'm tired of that. I, I'm going after God, and not only in prayer, not only in church, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to take God, and just like Jesus said, the harvest is ripe. I'm going after my harvest. I'm going to change my community. I'm going to change my job. I'm going to touch my family. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We need some dancing partners today. Jesus is releasing that dance in you. Is it our worship team can come? There's so much more for you. 
I don't know about you, but I haven't even begun to scratch the surface in my life. I got this well in me, and I've only tasted such a little bit of it. I've only stepped into such a small portion of what God has for me. There's so much more. You don't need to thirst after these things of this world. They're not going to fill you. That boyfriend is not going to fill you. Come back to me in two years and tell me how you feel so fulfilled. There's only one thing. One thing. Jesus said only one thing is important. And that's him. It's being filled with the glory. And some of you need to take a further step right now. Some of you have been sitting in those pews too long. It's time to step out. If you're saying, I'm ready to step out into my destiny, God showed me there'd be at least one person here today that's saying, I'm ready. I'm not going to sit it out anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter the dance. I'm going to be all God has for me. Willing to leave your shame at, on the floor. All the rejection, all the guilt, all those pointing fingers and all those accusing words that have been spoken against you. How many of you are willing to lay it all down today and like this woman be transformed in a day, in an hour? If that's you, if there's only one, you can change the world. I'm going to ask you to stand down here with me. one person in this church is saying I'm going after my destiny, I'm going after God's purposes, I'm going to get a heart full of God and I'm going to change the world I'm going to wait I believe there's a couple more of you I believe there's a couple more of you saying whatever it costs me I'm going to risk it all We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at 
www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.